Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, and I would like to welcome you to a very special five-part podcast series on the Hughes, Hubbard, and Reed Fall 2019 FCPA and Anti-Bribery Alert, which was recently released. In this five-part podcast series, we take a look at five separate areas that are touched upon in the alert. They include an overview of the alert, the U.S. FCPA component, the French developments in anti-bribery, anti-corruption, enforcement, and compliance programs, multilateral development banks and their role in the fight against bribery and corruption. And we conclude with a review of anti-bribery enforcement in Brazil, along with Brazilian authorities' embracement of compliance. The alert is a significant piece of research But more importantly than simply listing cases, it gives you a deep dive into the analysis of both anti-bribery, anti-corruption enforcement, but also policy announcements by regulators and other uh, commentary from countries outside the United States about the state of compliance and where it's going going forward. In this part four, I visit with Michael DeBernardis on developments from multilateral development banks over the past year. This special series on the Hughes Hubbard Fall 2019 FCPA and anti-bribery alert has been a special production of the Clients Podcast Network. Hello everyone, this is Tom Fox back for another episode in our five-part exploration of the Hughes Hubbard uh, 2019 FCPA alert. Today I have back with me podcast favorite Michael D. Bernardis. And we're going to explore some of the developments from uh, multilateral development banks over the past year. So, Michael, first of all, with that incredibly long-winded introduction, uh, welcome back to the podcast. And most importantly, thanks for taking the time to visit with me on the Hughes Hubbard uh, 2019 alert. Uh, Happy to be here, as always, Tom. Thanks for having me. Michael, I was wondering if you could give a few words on uh, what the role of multinational development banks is in the international fight against bribery and corruption? Yeah, happy to. I mean, I, I, I think it's really a multifaceted role. Um, you know, the multilateral development bank, the World Bank being the most prominent, uh, they have the ability to, to sanction companies, and, and debarment would be the most serious sanction, for, uh, for misconduct of all kinds on the projects that the banks finance. Um, and, and that misconduct includes corruption. So, um, you know, they, 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 it comes up in, in several different respects. Um, one of the, one of the main ways that, that the, the MDBs for short, uh, that the MDBs get involved is what you might refer to as a, as a tag on, uh, sanction. So large, uh, large, very public settlements by, by some companies with the DOJ. Uh, can result in a, a sort of follow-on sanction by an MDB. We're seeing that now with with companies like Odebrecht, who's, you know, after their their very large and public uh, resolution for for anti-corruption, um, have had to uh, deal with with issues um, of the same nature by the World Bank and and the Inter-American Development Bank. Another way that it comes up uh, is in a, just a general cooperation between. Uh, anti-corruption regulators, national authorities, and, and the, the uh, investigative teams from the MDBs. So the MDBs often will refer matters 
to uh, to the national authorities when appropriate. Um, the one, one that pops into my mind is uh, a few years ago, Hitachi settled an FCPA uh, case with the SEC, uh, and that was at least in part a, a result of a referral made by the African Development Bank to the SEC regarding Hitachi's conduct. And then, of course, uh, they, the MDBs can and do uh, entirely independently investigate and sanction companies for corrupt acts on their project. project. I think w- one of the, this is maybe the key role in the global fight, is that MDBs often reach, uh, reach companies and reach countries, territories, that uh, are otherwise outside of the, uh, the reach of uh, national authorities who might want to prosecute corruption. Um, so I think that that's in part why you see a lot of Chinese companies uh, um, being sanctioned by MDBs. Oh, uh, Indian companies are another, uh, another, um, another one that, you know, have no connection to the U.S. or the European authorities that might otherwise want to investigate or, or, or prosecute them for corruption and are doing places in, in Africa and, and other, other developing parts of the world. Uh, and are really being careful not to to encroach on the jurisdiction uh, of the DOJ and SEC, and uh, but but might otherwise be dealing with the MBBs, and so they're really the only regulator that can get to that conduct. Michael, it's my understanding that the World Bank uh, is the only MDB which publishes decisions that it makes regarding uh, suspension of debarment or uh, bribery and corruption, I guess, in a broader sense. And I was wondering. Um, are there, uh, what are some of the key lessons from World Bank decisions over the past year? Uh, it, 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 you're correct. Um, and the, we're, we're grateful, truthfully, that the World Bank does publish those decisions because uh, there, there really is some insight that can be gained. I think um, the, the, it, the most interesting aspect of the sanctions board decisions, at least to me, is how they're treating mitigating and aggravating circumstances. Uh, uh, so... There's, it's one thing, of course, to, to go in and, and be found to have committed uh, corruption and, and be sanctioned to uh, a five-year debarment. It, it's a much better situation to go in and be found of corruption, but only receive a, a debarment of six months. So aggravating and mitigating factors are really important. And the sanctions board provides some details as to how they're treating these things. And in 2019, um, there are really, I think, three key lessons that, that we learned from that. Uh, from those decisions. One, uh, employee discipline is really important for the sanctions board. They consider uh, the, the efforts the company has taken to, um, to to punish employees who are involved in misconduct, not not unlike the DOJ or SEC might. Uh, but, but at the sanctions board level, one of the things they've been clear about now, whereas previously a company might have been able to sort of just make a broad assertion that, oh yeah, we, we, we punished the responsible employees, the sanctions board now has made clear that they want details and evidence to show who exactly was punished uh, and how, how you went about doing it. Uh, another place uh, is compliance programs. It's a huge mitigating factor for the, for the World Bank companies to take efforts to either put in place a compliance program for the first time or to enhance their compliance program will receive mitigating uh, credit. In, in one interesting case this year, 
the World Bank focused on the timing of that effort uh, and found that, you know, a, a company who immediately upon learning about the misconduct takes efforts to implement a compliance program or to make enhancements is much more likely to get mitigating credit than a company who makes these efforts, say, a, a couple months before the sanctions board hearing in, a, in an obvious attempt just to get the mitigating credit. So it really highlights the need to, to do that early on. Uh, and the last effort that, that's really kind of interesting, maybe outside of the control of, of companies who are facing uh, facing a sanctions and debarment case at the sanctions board, is that the sanctions board now is, is putting a little bit of, of emphasis on the, the time that has passed between the, the misconduct and the sanctions case. And, uh, you know, commentators are, are speculating on the reason for that. I think a lot of a lot of people speculate that they, they're trying to push the sanctions board, is trying to push uh, INT, the investigative unit at the World Bank, um, to sort of catch these things sooner and, and really to, to prosecute, prosecute them earlier. And so companies are receiving mitigating credit if it's been eight years since uh, since the misconduct. The 10-year the, the statute of limitations at the World Bank is a long time. And so uh, the companies whose conduct was, was more dated are receiving some mitigating credit. Michael, are these things that you as a white-collar defense lawyer would um, advocate a, a company who's under investigation for a variety of, of different enforcement agencies, such as an INT, such as the Department of Justice or SEC, or perhaps even a, another foreign regulator, would you suggest these uh, uh, employee discipline, uh, making sure you have an effective compliance program, all be done in parallel or to uh, some other approach? Well, I think doing them, I mean, it, it, it's, it's a lot of work, but um, all of the things that the sanctions board has pointed out that the, that the World Bank focuses on in their World Bank Integrity Compliance Guidelines um, are, are really international best, best practices. Uh, and so, you know, when, when we're dealing with a company uh, that, you know, you've done the investigation and it looks like the, the allegations are, are, have some basis. Uh, the next step is, okay, how, how do we mitigate this? And, and all of these things really need to be done yesterday. So uh, employee discipline is often the first one. Let's, let's look at, at what would be appropriate and, and what's going to send the right message uh, and protect us in the future. Uh, and then, you know, if a company doesn't have a compliance program, we've likely already started that discussion about the need to put one in. If they do have one, now you're looking uh, to see where the gaps were, where the issues were. Uh, and trying to, to, to enhance the program to, to fix that problem. Um, so those remedial measures are really important. Uh, you know, it can be overwhelming for clients to, to have to, to sort of handle so much at one time, but it's really important to, to sort of get it all done well, but to get it all done as soon as possible. Well, Michael, unfortunately, we're near the end of our time, but uh, it's been a fascinating review of where we have been with the multilateral uh, development bank enforcement uh, actions and uh, information over the past uh, 12 months. Thank you again for taking the time to visit with me today. Oh, it was a pleasure, Tom. Thanks again. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I hope you enjoyed this episode in our special five-part podcast series on the Hughes-Hubbard Fall 2019 FCPA and anti-bribery alert. I've linked to it in the show notes, and I would urge you to Check it out, download it, and read it at your leisure. There's a lot packed into it. And of course, 
Best of all is the price, which is it's free. The special five-part podcast series has been a special presentation of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.